morning. This is uh, Mike Thomas from uh, the No Parameter Project. And uh, I really don't know how far I'm going to go with this this morning, but I've been in a lot of pain over the last 100 days or so, or however many days it's been. I, I really was in track. Um, but I'm experiencing a lot of sadness and, and pain and anger and just just all kind of stuff. I, first of all, uh, I have a granddaughter who is just two years younger than uh, Brianna Taylor was. I also have a great granddaughter and another granddaughter who is just over 27. Uh, so this is real hard for me. What happened to this girl? Uh, whether it was calamity or intentional assault, you know, it's hard to figure out. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing so many different things. I'm, I'm hearing that this girl was surveilled and they saw her come home and, um, they should have seen that the guy that was with her was not the target. But somehow that evidently was not taken into uh, consideration at all. And the story has just keep changing and changing. No knock warrant. No, it wasn't a no knock warrant. Yes, we knocked and opened the door. But this child was targeted. Come on. Maybe they didn't want to kill her, but they definitely wanted to get the guy she was with. Um, and, and for young girls out here, because, you know, they, they might date a guy and not know to what extent he's playing in drugs and stuff. Um, you know, this girl may not have even been aware of how involved this guy was. And um, or maybe she had some idea but, you know, sometimes we go into relationships, we, we, we try to change people once we find out what they're doing, you know, and we look at them. Every, every guy selling drugs is probably somebody's son or daughter who used to be a good, you know, in a place of ignorance on this. I'm, I'm coming from my background, okay? Uh, I was an honor student up until 14. Uh, I posted a picture the other day of me on my graduation day from, from grade school. And I'm holding two awards that I'd won. I'd really won four. And uh, one bad grade for fighting on the playground, trying to be a big shot, uh, cost me going to uh, one of the better schools in Detroit, Cass Technical High School. Um, and something that I regretted most of my life, but... I also went into some other things that were just not conducive to living a, a good life. Uh, I started slinging drugs shortly after graduation from from uh, elementary school, and uh, and I didn't sling to make a whole lot of money. I was slinging to get high for free. And most of the girls I dated were very smart girls, came from good families, had any idea what I was doing. I dressed nice, I talked nice. Uh, I, I always worked, I had a job on the side. 
uh, some type of job. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just no one would have had any suspicion that I was slinging drugs at the time. And I always made sure that whoever I was dating or hanging out with, including uh, the first woman I was engaged to when I was in my 20s, she had no idea what I was doing uh, because I was uh, very careful. I didn't have a lot of traffic. I had the same eight customers who came over and I was slinging uh, ounces and not nickel bags or two, uh, we used to call deuce bags and stuff like that nature. You know, I was slinging ounces and I was slinging just so I could get high for free. Time I stopped doing heroin and stuff and I was just smoking pot and drinking at the time, which, you know, but some girl could have been with me in my house. I could have been under surveillance and something stupid like this death of this beautiful child who's trying to make a life for herself. Uh, like my, my granddaughter, my granddaughter's in She made uh, a decision and she wound up having a beautiful, beautiful grand, great-grandson that I love dearly. Uh, but that didn't stop her from going to school and wanting to change her life. She will be graduating in February uh, and her son will turn three in August of next year. And, you know, this is just a triumph that these children can make if they put their head to it and, and, and just work hard and go on and do what they're trying to do and make a difference in their life. This child, Brianna Taylor, was trying to make a difference in her life. She was in EMT school. She had broke up from this guy that she was with and she was dating somebody else. Why did she have to die for the relationship that she had been in? Not the relationship she was in. You know, uh, there was another way to do that without a, a, a no knock. They could they could have knocked on the door, announced who they were and said, you know, could you come out? This is the police or whatever. And none of that was done. You know, it was like the intent was to do harm that night to somebody. And it just so happened that that girl was the, the person that wound up being killed uselessly. And then it takes all this time and the only charge is for bullets that went into another person's apartment. And isn't it ironic that the apartment that the bullets went into were a white couple, you know? So the charges are that this guy did not kill this girl, but he shot up somebody else's apartment. So he's not even getting charged with assault, manslaughter, aggravated assault, any other thing of that nature. You know, he's been charged with wanton endangerment on a wall. That's crazy. I don't understand it. And I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad. My feelings are all mixed up in me. You know, this could have been my granddaughter. This could have been my daughter. Okay? One of the biggest fears I had, I married my wife and my stepdaughter was 14. And knowing the life that I had led prior to moving down here for what we in the recovery program called the geographical cure. You know, I had to get out of Detroit. Detroit was going crazy. The crack epidemic was coming and I didn't want to get off into that because if I'd have started using crack and got addicted, I'd have been slinging crack and my time would have been numbered, you know, so I had to run out. But the problem that I had is when I married my wife, I had a 14-year-old gorgeous stepdaughter. 
I feared every day that she would wind up with some guy like me or the guy that I had been before I turned 31 years old, you know, and that she would be caught up in the streets and something would happen to her and she'd get strung out, thrown out and whatever, you know. So I'm 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 watching her like an eagle, just making sure, you know, because I can identify the street thug when I see one because I was in the streets and you learn how to identify your adversary and your friend, you know, and and my fears were so heightened. You know, and maybe I might have been a little overbearing. You know, maybe I watched too much, but she got through. Okay, she's married. She's married a wonderful man, and my baby. And I call her my baby. I don't care what she think she is to me, but she's my baby, and she is doing well. She has kids who have grown up doing well. Life can be like this. Okay, it's just the choices, and and the. The, the consequences of those choices, you know, and they're not making these choices like, oh, I'm a date a drug dealer so I can get caught up in all the street action and stuff like that. No, no. They're just like any other girl, just like any other girl. And think about this. OK, I want you to be serious. This didn't just happen in the black neighborhood. OK, there's young white girls in the country hooking up guys cooking moonshine. Or, or, or growing pot or mixing meth. You know, this ain't a black thing. This is a human thing. And, and this could happen to just about anybody. However, the rules are just a little bit different in the black community. You know, in a white community, a closed community, you know, you got people, they know folks. These are relatives and stuff. So you're not going to get the same type of policing as you get into the black community. You know, where they don't know anybody except for by the picture that they have in their hand that they get from the computer in the office of the police station. OK, I, I'm I'm so, so fed up with all of this crap, you know, and I don't want to get into the stuff that's going on in the world. You know, Lord knows that would just drive me totally crazy. But this thing about Breonna Taylor, there's just no satisfaction here at all. There's no justice. You know, as, as Richard Pryor would say, there's only just us, just us at the end of those guns, just us locked up indiscriminately in the prisons and jail cells across. You know, it's another form of slavery, whether you believe it or not. OK, doing Jim Crow, they'd lock a brother up and they wind up on a cotton field somewhere. S.O.S.D.D. Same old shit, different day. But, you know, I'm just rapping off the top of my head. But I, I, I know I, I know that you can feel my pain. And my only hope is that people will look and say, this could have been my baby. This could have been my granddaughter. This could be my great granddaughter who got killed indiscriminately because just fucking because. And that's crazy. But no, we can't separate it. We can't separate it and look at it like everybody's the same. No, we are. I, I, I'll never forget it. I'm going to say this. One day I was standing on the corner of Breckenridge Lane 
and Kresge Way. I was working at Baptist Hospital. I'd been there for 15 years. I had an office. I was carrying a briefcase, wearing a trench coat, and had just come from admitting several patients, mostly Caucasian patients, you know, because I worked in one of the bells in the city. And I'm standing on the corner waiting on the bus, and the light turned red. And about seven cars were backed up on Breckenridge Lane. It's one of the busiest arteries here in Louisville, Kentucky. And I heard a bunch of door locks. Click, 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 click. And I'm the only person on the street. And this one thought hit my mind. And it was like, how long? Hell, how long is it going to take for me not to still be a nigger? And that's how I feel that nothing's changed. Yeah, we get exceptions when we're doing what y'all want, when we're doing what they want, when we're minding our cues, when we're slinging their dope. All the dope I ever slung came from somebody Caucasian, okay? I mean, I had an Italian uh, connection for marijuana. Uh, I had a police officer for a connection for marijuana. Okay, I was getting my heroin from a, a, a brother whose connection was Italian Mafia, okay? Now, we don't do this to ourselves. I don't care what you saw in that movie, The Gangster, where the brother was getting the dope from Vietnam. The brother couldn't have got shit without the help of the Caucasian. So none of this stuff was ever done solely by black, black people. We would get people who sent it in here. So all this tragedy that you just look at in the black community, it's all caused by initially those people who wanted to make money on the back of us black folks, whether it be slavery or addiction or jail. Prison is one of the biggest businesses in the United States of America. And who the major cattle that supplies the meat for prisons, African-Americans and poor whites. We need to take a deep look. This should never happen again. There needs to be justice for Breonna Taylor. This is Mike Thomas from the No Parameter Project, and I'm out. I'm sorry. And no apologies. Just no apologies. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. And let's let's get this thing right. Let's get it right. Thank you. Bye-bye.